Hi, this is Nicole Roberts-Jones, and welcome to the Faith, Purpose, Profit, what I like to call the FPP podcast. What I know for sure is that one of life's greatest gifts will meet you when you go after living as the highest and best version of who God created you to be. So here's where I share thought-provoking insight and behind-the-curtain conversations that will activate you into your next level. See, I'm not here for who you already are, but for who you have not yet become. And I want you to get this. One idea from these episodes can make a remarkable difference, not just in your purpose-focused business, but in your life. Also, make sure you join the conversation in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com. Now grab your pen as we begin today's session of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. The one thing that I know for sure is God really put this on my heart as I was beginning my own business. And so I want you to know everything I teach you, I thought God was just teaching me the lesson for me. So I dig deep for me and then he tells me to teach it. (laughs) And so I'm so excited to continue with a six part series tonight. The six part series is called why your business is important to God, why your business is important to God. And we're here at part four, which is God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be rich. Mm -hmm, I said it. Now, if you've been in my camp for a while, you know, I've been saying that, you know, your purpose is meant to profit. Well, I'm up leveling that conversation. And so I'm going to tell you why. But before I start to give a review on the first four, I mean, three parts as we get in part four, before we do any of that, let me explain to you, those of you that haven't heard my story, let me tell you why I'm passionate about what I teach. I'm not someone that just talks the talk. Someone that studies it and then just teaches it. I'm a living, breathing example of every single thing that I teach you. So again, if you haven't heard my story, I've been in this work since 1993, September of 1993 to be exact. So I'm almost at my 29th anniversary. So as of this moment, it's been 28 years. And so some 17 years into me starting my business, starting the thing I knew I was called to do. So by 2010, my business was a place I saw on my vision board, even though vision boards went out yet. (laughs) It was everything I had visioned. So back then I had two divisions in my business. I had a nonprofit and a for-profit. So my nonprofit working with African-American teenage girls, it was a faith-based program based on purpose. Of course, y'all know me. That program had 10 chapters in 10 churches in 10 cities throughout the country. And we were growing by leaps and bounds. In my for-profit division, I was coaching at the time highly skilled professional women. I do coach a few good men. So men, I'm not leaving you out. But back then, I was only focused on women. And so in that division, I had a maxed out coaching client roster, meaning I couldn't take another client. So I thought, you know, maybe I should write a book. So in 2010, my first book came out. And I thought, you know, I can get the principles to women I can't take on as a client while it raises money for my nonprofit working with my teenage girls. But when that book came out, I started getting invitations to speak all over the country. Now, hold tight. This does make sense to why God wants you to be rich. I trust and believe it's going to be full circle if you hang with me. So 10 chapters, 10 cities throughout the country, probably like 10 states, maybe it was nine states (laughs) of my nonprofit. I had a 100% maxed out coaching count roster working with highly skilled professional women looking to start or grow their purpose-focused businesses. I wrote my book in 2010, my first book. And then I started getting invitations to speak all over the country. So listen, I had gotten my business to the place I dreamed of and I loved every minute of it. But I want you to get this. 
I was only generating $13,000 in my business. Uh-huh. I said 13,000. So I really pretty much had community service because I wasn't making enough money to work my business for a time. I felt like I had a big fat purpose, a big fat calling with no money attached to it. So of course, you know, I had a daytime job to pay for my nighttime calling. And I remember that my epiphany moment, like it was yesterday, because I sure was not functioning like God wanted me to be rich. In full disclosure, by the way, if you guys see me itching, I have mosquito bites, love mosquitoes. <laughs> so I really want you to understand this. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was November 7th, 2010. I had just gotten home from another speaking weekend, you know, speaking at a women's symposium, a, a church empowerment event, some entrepreneurial conference. And it was Sunday night, my class, oh, by the way, my daytime job, I got to tell you guys this. I was an adjunct professor at the time at Boston University. My class was at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. So this is Sunday night. My class is the next morning. I hadn't looked at the syllabus. I know I hadn't read the books. I told my students to read. I hadn't written out a lecture note. And I remember sitting on my couch, exhausted, thinking to myself, I can't do this anymore and just ready to quit. But at the same time, I, I thought, how can I qu quit when I know this is my purpose? I know my this business that I'm really trying to get up and running so I can do it full time. I know I'm called to do this, but this little $13,000 year, this isn't cutting it. So I prayed, Lord, if this is really my purpose, I need you to show me something because this right here ain't working. Now, I didn't know my epiphany was happening, by the way. So I don't know if this happened a month later or six months later. <laughs> I was a little mad at God at the moment. But I heard about an event. I went to that event. I met my coach at that event. I hired my first coach. By the way, that was the first time I ever invested in my purpose. That coach cost 30000 I was only making 13000 I'm telling you that because I couldn't afford it. But I couldn't afford not to do it. And my first coaching session, my coach pretty much showed me me. She began to show me all the ways that I was overlooking my gift. What I realize is we all have blind spots because you don't do what you do to you. So the things that are intrinsic to your DNA that you will never see, because again, you don't do what you do to you. I often tell my clients, you can't see the label from inside the jar. So to make a long story short, once my coach began to show me things about me that I would never be able to see, I started to see all the ways that I have been leaving transformation behind. I started to see all the ways that I really wasn't profiting. Now, when I say profiting is gain, yeah, for me, but ultimately it's gaining for the kingdom. So as I walk you through what I'm going to talk to you about in part four in this series, I need you to understand I'm a living, breathing example of what this looks like. So listen, let me tell you what God says to me in that moment. So in that moment, I started, my business went from 13,000 to over 200,000, by the way, by me teaching you the things I'm going to teach you tonight or walk you through. And I said 13,000 to over 200,000. You heard me right. Mm -hmm. But here's the other thing. So the very, and again, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if this was the next week or the next month, you know, all these things were happening so fast. I didn't keep up with it. Okay. So I remember a church calling me to come and speak. And I was like, really, Lord, why are you going to have a first lady from a church call me? Really? You truly trying to test me. See, before then I had been going to speak for free. I didn't know my own worth. Whole lesson in and of itself. And so when the first lady asked me how much my speaking fee was i listened to what my coach told me and i hushed and said the fee and do you know what that first lady said she said okay do you want to say the embassy suite to the hilton is there a preferred airline i'm like what so when i hang the phone up i'm like lord really 
Here's what God said back to me. And some of y'all are going to need to write this down. Service and struggle should never coexist. Why would I give you a gift and want you to struggle to do it? And so when God showed me that, the very thing he, next thing he showed me was Genesis 1, I'm going to walk you through that. But what he began to peel back for me, not just that in what became probably 2012 by the time I got to that. So it's been 10 years since I got this lesson. I've been studying it ever since and I'm growing more and more in it. And so what you guys get is the coach that gets to coach you. So you don't have to make all the mistakes that I made. So it doesn't have to take you as long. But I also want you to understand that many of you are serving a struggle God. God didn't intend for you to be mediocre or average. He didn't intend for you to struggle. He gave you a gift so that it could profit. And ultimately, so that you could be rich. Oh, wait a minute, because you probably thinking about rich in the wrong way. So first, before I start getting into that, let me break down the first three parts of this six-part series tonight. This, this episode is part four, okay? So again, the series is called Why Business is Important to God. So part one, I talked to you about really God was the first person to work. We looked at what dominion means and we looked at creation because, you know, to create means, and I'm looking at the definition, bringing something into existence to produce or bring about a course of action or behavior. So you heard me say to produce. I want you guys to get everything I'm teaching you in this series builds on the next. That's how I teach. Okay. So we looked at God, who was the first person to work as God could have thought it and it happened, but he decided to do it over six days, which meant he was working. Hello, work week. And then he took the seventh day off the rest, right? So Genesis 2.15 is what we looked at in that part one. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend to it and keep it, which is our mandate. You got something to tend to and keep to, keep, keep, <laughs> keep to. You got something to tend to and keep. That's God's mandate. And he doesn't want you to struggle to do it. So then we went into part two, which is what a relay teaches you about having a successful business. And we looked at it from a perspective of a relay race. Now, again, I'm not going through the whole. So if you missed any of these episodes, I want you to go back and listen to them. You can go to the FPP podcast. So you get part one and part two from all these episodes I'm going through. Okay. Started with why business is important to God. Part two is what a relay teaches you about having a successful business. Because listen, a successful relay race. It's all about the, the the handoff of the baton and the catch. If you've ever watched any kind of track meet. So God has handed off your purpose to you. Have you caught it? And then how are you even producing from that purpose, which is a call? See, God made each of us in his image. And so we looked at God making us in his image and what that means to the relay that we are each meant to run in this thing called life. That was part two. Part three is stop fighting the GPS. Now, what's interesting is so many of y'all, how many of y'all have a GPS, but you don't listen to the direction that it gives you? <laughs> so that was our last part of this series. Again, stop fighting the GPS, or I can say your GPS, as we looked at how you abide and follow directions, okay? And so we started looking at uh, John chapter 15. I'm going to dig into that more in this part four. But here's what I want you to know. John, oh, by the way, we talked about three things you need to do. You must do to abide. So again, if you miss any parts of that, I want to encourage you to go back to fpppodcast.com and listen to those episodes because you're going to need all of what I teach in this series to ultimately get to all that God has for you and, and all the people that are attached to you. Okay. fpppodcast.com. Okay. 
So I really ended that series reading John 15, 5, which says, and by the way, when you see me looking down, that means I'm reading a Bible verse. I'm reading a note to make sure I'm staying on track because y'all know I can talk for the next six hours. So I'm trying to stay focused. I can actually talk for the next three days straight, probably. <laughs> anyway, John 55 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So I'm going to take that Bible verse to the next level. As we talk about God wants you to be, be rich which ultimately is a call for you to bear fruit, okay? Now y'all hang with me, because let me tell you something, my business was struggling, I wasn't bearing no part of any kind of fruit. So here's where this comes from, and this was my mandate. When I learned this whole service and struggle should never coexist, and I started getting clear on my own assignment and how to really get it in a place where it produces, this is what God began to peel back for me. And this is why I teach faith, purpose, and profit, because you need all three. Okay. So Genesis 128. Now I'm not going to read the whole Bible verse. Those of you that have been with me, you know, this is my call. Genesis 128, which says, God bless them and said, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. So I talked about having dominion in part one of the series. Now I'm going to peel back fruitful and multiply. So here in part one, I'm going to focus on fruitful. We'll talk about multiplying part two. Y'all with me? Okay. So again, God wants you to be rich. So roll with me so you understand what I mean by rich. I want you to let go of any tie you already had to what rich means. Because that's half of our problem in this world. If I keep it all the way real, especially the church, keeps us in a place where we don't see rich the way God intends for us to see it, not the way the world wants us to see it, which is why we feel this guilt, this love-hate relationship with money. Okay, so I mean, peel back fruitful. Now, those of you that know me, you know what I'm going to do, redefinitions. So fruitful means producing good or helpful results. It means to be productive. By the way, this is according to Webster. Now, profit. And, you know, I always talk about, you know, your purpose is meant to profit, okay? So profit means a valuable return, a gain. Now, here's where rich takes it up a notch. Y'all ready? Rich means highly productive, having high value or quality. See, many of you guys are walking around like you a Capri when God created you to be a Bentley. Come on, somebody, because you don't know your worth. You don't know the brilliance you have hidden here. You don't know how smart you are, how gifted you are, how phenomenal you are. And so you sell yourself short. So again, if gain means valuable return, uh, excuse me, if profit means a valuable return, a gain, and rich means highly productive, and fruitful means producing good results. You guys see how rich takes it to a whole nother level of that. See, a focus on material is having abundant possessions. I'm not focused on that when I'm talking to you about being rich and neither is God. He's looking at the gain and the value you give to the world. And when you have something that's valuable, why not increase it and multiply it? We'll talk about multiply tomorrow, but I want you guys to see this. So I'm going to focus on fruitful first. Because I think the problem, and I know for me, my problem was I wasn't fruitful. I wasn't producing any kind of good result. Okay. So our Bible verse focus for today is this. John 15, 1 through 5. That says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So let's look at that. But before we do that, you guys know how I do. I look this up in my study Bible. Y'all know I love me some Tony Evans uh, commentary. <laughs> I'm going to go read one part of this. It says this about um, this Bible verse. It says God's goal for every Christian is to increase in fruit bearing. That's that rich y'all increase in fruit bearing. We are to progress from producing no fruit to some fruit, to more fruit, to much fruit, to remaining fruit. Fruitfulness is a life of spiritual usefulness and productivity for the good of others and the glory of God. Y'all with me? Are you getting this? So I really want you to understand that when we talk about God wanting you to be rich, when you're producing something of high value, it's really about how you're giving it back to the exact way God created you to have dominion in this world. So there's three things you got to do to be fruitful. Number one, I should say three characteristics of, of bearing good fruit. Number one, it reflects the character of the tree. So if we're made in God's image and he is the vine and we are the branches, and I might be saying it backwards, but y'all roll with me. <laughs> he's the vine dresser and every branch in me. So he's a branch and we're the fruit. So the, the character of the tree is reflected by what gets produced by that tree. So an apple comes from a what? An apple tree. A lemon comes from what? A lemon tree. So when you see a rotten lemon, uh, don't you think there's like probably something wrong with that vine that vine might need to be cut, especially if you see several. So I need you to understand that, that who you be reflects the character of how you're abiding. So for my clients that I'm blessed to work with, I call this a purpose system because I want you to get this. It's one thing for you to understand your purpose. By the way, this is where I was lacking, let alone the other two places I'm going to tell you. I had none of the other two. <laughs> I thought I did, though. <laughs> when, it's one thing for you to understand your purpose. Many people walk around having this vague understanding of what their purpose is. So you might be at 5% of what your purpose is. You might even be at 20%. Let's say you're at 60% when there's another 40% available for you that you haven't and can't tap into because you can't see the label from inside the jar. I see this happen so much. See, the work in God's image is to bear good fruit. But if you're not clear on the image, you're reflecting the purpose that's in you. See that little piece of purpose God put in you? That is that little piece of God in you. That's the way you're meant to affect change in this world. And so you got to look at what are you producing from it? If you're not producing, that means you're not clear. That means you don't have a strategy. So what do I mean by that? You can't just go buy an apple tree seed in, 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 let's say, Home Depot and just plant it and water it. There's a strategy around watering that tree. Now, listen, I remember when I first moved into a house with my husband, I was so excited to have my first home. I went and bought these beautiful pink flowers. I was so excited. Planted them. And those of you that know me, you know I'm not an outdoor girl at all. So as I was digging the dirt, I was like, don't let me see a worm. Don't let me see a worm. So I'm, I planted the flowers, so excited, put the dirt back on it, watered it. Those flowers are dead in two days because I didn't have a strategy. I didn't have the right strategy for what that flower. That's what many people do around their purpose. Just because you see somebody else doing something the way they're doing it, their purpose isn't made to be your purpose. So that means you're not going to produce a good result because you do not know how to bear fruit from your purpose. Y'all get that? That's why, in my humble opinion, having a coach is so important. 
And I'm saying that for my own journey. Listen, I was teaching at not just the adjunct faculty. I was teaching at a graduate school level. And I still listen. And what I was teaching were classes too. Were, were, I was teaching people how to produce programs. <laughs> I taught at USC for, for almost five years. I moved to Boston. I didn't even apply for the job in Boston. My dean of school social work in, your, in LA said, hey, how come I don't see you on the roster? And I told her I moved to Boston. She called Boston University. They called and offered me a job. I'm not saying it to brag. I'm saying I'm letting you know how doggone good I was. And yet my business was failing because I didn't know how to produce. I was using the same system that I was using here over here. And you've heard me say this. If you've been in my camp, the tools you've used on this level are not sufficient for your next. So I kept failing. And I wasn't abiding to understand who God created me to be. The second thing is fruit is visible. So I said this a few minutes ago, you know, the, the fruit, if the fruit is bearing, or excuse me, you know, if the tree is producing good results by the fruit that it bears. There's a Bible verse that says you will know them by the fruit that they bear. The fruit is visible. So the thing I think is interesting is so many people walk around, they have no visibility strategy. Again, you do what other people do is not in alignment with who you be. It's not going to help people see you as their answer. It's just not. And you've got to understand the purpose systemic strategy or purpose methodology that's right for your purpose to create a whole system around it. And then from that, build the visibility strategy. What do I mean by that? You know, they say build it and people will come. That's not true. Matter of fact, I was talking to a colleague earlier today and he was telling me <clears throat> that one of his clients had this whole sales page built. They had this whole program built and nobody was buying. And he said they were upset because they spent like 30, 40,000 and nobody was buying. You know why nobody was buying it? They had no visibility strategy. And I asked him, I said, so how were they leading people to it? He said it, he, they weren't. And so many people don't tell you that only 2% convert. So if you want to get to a certain number, how do you make that conversion happen? Not to make money because there's people that need you. And if you can't let them see you as their answer, they'll never hire you, which means, of course, you can say leaving money on the table, but really you're leaving transformation behind. You got to understand, Pete, there are a group of people assigned to you. When you were born, it's like your gift is a magnet and only you have the answer for that group of people. And every day that you play small, that you don't build a visibility strategy, you don't let people see you as their answer, you're holding up their answer prayer. So fruit is visible unless you know the health of the tree and also lets people see you as their answer. The third thing is fruit is productive or is produced to benefit other people. It ain't about you. See, rich, when you're looking at it from a, a material perspective, it's about you because you want all this money because you want to buy uh, all the bling. You want to buy them Bentley. You want to buy the big house. I'm not saying you can't do those things, but I'm saying that shouldn't be your focus. To me, those, those are things that you might gift yourself because you work really hard. But that shouldn't be your focus. Your focus shouldn't be seen. And I want people to see me in my fur coat. Matter of fact, what's so interesting is my, my mother-in-law gave me my fur coat. So mine's technically a hand down. <laughs> and I don't care because I'm not doing what I do to be seen. I don't care if it's a, gone through the generations of the family. I don't care about none of that. But some people do. And some, and matter of fact, she told me that somebody was offended when she tried to give them. I said, oh, baby, I'm never going to be offended when you gift me with something. Give it all to me. <laughs> because I'm not doing it for the wrong reasons. I want you to get that. I always say God is blessing me with this thing because of how hard I worked. 
Matter of fact, the story just popped in my mind. I remember when I first moved to Massachusetts and I'm from California, y'all. So I was like, I need to get an SUV because I got to learn how to drive in the snow. I remember going to Mazda to get, this was back in, what year was that? Whenever the Mazda SUV first came out. Was that 2012, maybe 2013? I don't remember. But I'm sitting in Mazda and the man looks at me, he goes, go next door. It's gonna, you're going to get the same residual value. Next door was BMW. And I'm like, I can't get a BMW. I can't do that. So I go over to BMW and uh, why was my monthly payment the same? But I still felt guilty. See, I didn't know my worth. Again, what does rich mean? Having high value. And if you can't see your worth, what would your client see your worth? And so I left that BMW dealer saying, well, you know what? I, I can't get a BMW. I, I feel guilty and conflicted for wanting a BMW. When the man at the Mazda place is the one that said it, I got home, I started figuring out, okay, if I keep my car, that's a lease. If I buy my car, you know, I started calculating, do you know my car to keep it would have been more than that BMW? And here's what my husband said, would you stop limiting God's ability? God is trying to bless you. Would you let him bless you? You deserve that car. You work really, really hard. And so for many of you, Part of the reason why you can't make this shift and understand that your gift is an answer. You can't charge with your worth. You won't build the business. You won't do the work and even invest in you is because you don't see the value that's tied to your gift, not for you. So any coach I hire and I have coaches now, both health, mental, I always have a counselor on speed dial. <laughs> I have a coach helping me in my business. I have I have an advisory board now that I've built to help me in my business. I do all those things because here's what I know. Every time I invest in growing me, I bless every person I get to coach. Which ultimately is a blessing to God because as every person I get to coach and teach does the thing they're gifted to do, I am also a part of that producing good results because they get to bless their clients and their clients get to bless their clients and so on and so on and so on. I'm a part of that system. Y'all get that? So here's the thing I think is so, I got to say this, because when I talk about, I talk about rich or wealth or money, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of, of, of all evil, the love of money. But when you abide in God, and you're doing things because you love God and you want to give God a great return on his investment in you. That's a different perspective, y'all. That allows you to produce fruit for the kingdom. And when I'm talking about the kingdom, I'm talking about the world. You know, we all live in this thing called the world which ultimately is God, he created the world. This is his dom domain, ultimately. And as we produce good results, we're giving back to grow the kingdom the way God intended, <clears throat> okay? So as we end this conversation, let me end with a couple of things. Number one, I'm gonna focus on John 15, two, that says, every branch enemy that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it bear more fruit. So two things, again, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away the point. If you're doing what you're doing for selfish reasons, you know, anything you do, what they say for God doesn't last, all that stuff crashes and burns. When you have the wrong motive, I've talked to you about this in another series, I'm not going to dig into this, but I want you to get this. When you have a selfish ulterior motive, oh, things start to fall apart at some point. I've seen it happen over and over again. The second part of that Bible verse says, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Listen, when I just told you my story of, at the top of this, that I was going through a challenge in my business. Now, I had a little bit of fruit, a little, 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 little bit. <laughs> but I was going through that challenge because God was pruning me. 
Had I not stopped long enough to do what it took to grow my gift, I would have never had the next level of bearing fruit that I have right now. And even now, and as I'm learning and growing and learning new things and, and expanding my territory, God prunes you and challenges you to grow you. And you've heard me say this, your comfort and your conviction cannot coexist. So many people want it to be comfortable when you are being challenged to grow. So not going to be comfortable because it's something you've never done before. Me hiring that first coach for 30000 I didn't know how I was going to make that payment. But I also knew if I didn't do that, I wouldn't grow. I knew if I didn't risk it all, I would never gain it all. I knew, listen, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you because I know that you led me to this woman. Because I can't trust me, I can't trust her, but I can trust him. And I did whatever it took. And that's why I went from 13000 to 200000 in six months. So I want you to understand that when you're going through a challenging place in your business, it doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. That's why you got to be clear and have a purpose system. You've got to have a visibility system. I didn't say this part. Your whole food that's being produced means you have a back-end system and a sales system. Those are the four systems you have to have in your business to be fruitful, period. Purpose system, visibility system, back-end system, and a sales system. Okay. So I need you to understand this when you're being pruned. So say you have all those things at play, like the client, my colleague was talking to me about earlier today, that person did not have a visibility system, which means that, that, that our cell system and our backend system was off. Cause if you don't have all four, it's like the wheels of a car. So if you, if one of your wheels is off, the whole car rolling of your car is out of alignment. Y'all with me? So you can't bear fruit. If one of those wheels is, is not properly aligned. So anytime you're having a challenge in one of those four areas, it means one, you don't have the right strategy in place. And two, God just may be, maybe it worked for a while, which is great. Doesn't mean that, oh, I need to shift my business. It means God is challenging you. It's time to grow that area. It's time to scale. Or for those of you that haven't made predictable revenue yet, you don't have all four areas at play. And I really need you to understand before we talk about multiply, which will be in part two. I'll tell you, we're going to talk about that. I need you to understand where you're off because ultimately, if you don't have all these four systems at play, this is why you're not producing fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, you can't be highly productive. If you're not producing fruit, you're not going to have high value, which is what rich is. It's rich and benefit for God. And ultimately, when you benefit God, he's always going to give some back to you. He's always going to say, great, my good and faithful servant. Let me hook you up. I've seen God do that over and over again in my life. So I want you to think about a couple of things as we end this part one of this conversation. Number one, do you know the arena or niche that God has called you to be fruitful in? Now I say niche because I hear people say like, I'm a business coach. That's not a niche. I hear people say like, I'm a health trainer. That's not a niche. The more specific you can be, the more people can be served by you because then they can hear that you are their answer, okay? Are you in alignment to producing good results? Because I need you to get, if you're not in alignment with that arena and then doing work that's only in alignment with that and stop doing what you see other people doing and stop thinking, oh, well, this isn't working. Let me try something different. Let me shift this. Let me shift this. Let me do this other thing. I see so many people that keep shifting with the wind, which means you're out of alignment. So I need you to get clear is if you're out of alignment. Mm-hmm. So that you can go beyond good, beyond great, and go after the significance that God has that's tied to your gift. And again, it's not just about you. So stop making it about you. It's about all the people that are looking for you. See, that rich, again, is rich in benefit for them, which then ends up being a benefit for you as well, okay?
So we're going to go deeper into multiply tomorrow, but I want you to remember that rich means highly productive, high, having high value or quality. I'm going to talk to you about this more, but I'm working on something special for you. Um, and I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about that in part two. But here's what I want you to know when I'm talking about rich. See, rich means you have a rhythm and consistent harmony. So that's what rich stands for for me. Rich rhythm is R in consistent harmony. Because here's what you have to know. When your purpose is, when you're clear on your purpose and you're in this niche, you're in a groove, it's a rhythm. And then you got to be consistent with it. So if I go back to that tree example, you can't water a tree once. You've got to be consistent and continue. Continue to water it over and over and over and over again. It's not a one-time thing. It's an all-the-time thing. And it's the harmony between you and God that begins to happen. That's that abiding. You know, I've seen God pour so much into me when I'm in alignment with his assignment. Not when what I want or what my flesh wants or what the world says, but what he says. The more aligned I get, the more harmony I get, not just with him, but all the clients that need me. So that's ultimately what I mean when I'm talking about rich, it's a rhythm and consistent harmony. That's my goal for you. I'm going to tell you about something I've been working on to support you in that wherever you are stuck. So in the meantime, I want you to ask yourself this last question and, and, and we'll, we'll talk about multiply in part two, because this was fruitful. And I'll tell you about the, the, the training that I'm gifting you. But listen, think about whether you're working to produce fruit that benefits others. Or are you only focused on what benefits you? We're going to stop here and take a quick commercial break and we'll be back for more. Are you ready to start or grow your business to get in alignment with your God given assignment to learn all the ways it's meant to bring profit to you and ultimately to God and for God. Then join me for the rich in your niche summit by going to rich in your and then starting on August 1st, join me for our free five-day Purpose Plus Profit Online Summit with 18 powerful entrepreneurs plus me who are ready to pour into you about what it took for them to go after becoming the highest and best version of who God created them to be, who are all coming together to give you insight, to share with you all the action steps it took for them to show up powerfully and share with you the insider secrets to how they move their purpose into a revenue generating business so that you can go after starting or growing your own. Join us and learn more by going to richinyournichesummit.com. Ultimately, my goal is that you understand this. If you're going to be the highest and best version of who God created you to be, you need faith purpose and profit. You cannot make it without that combination of those three. So today we start a part two in a series. Well, technically this is part four. This is part two of part four. I know I'm confusing you now, but anyway, so we started a series, a six part series called why business is important to God. See, the Bible makes clear that work matters to God. And so it's my greatest goal to make sure you understand it. And in everything I do is for you to get in alignment with God's assignment for your life. So this week we're in part four. Part four is God wants you to be rich. Now, again, I want to remind you, if you've missed any parts of our conversation, you will need those parts to understand this part. Go and listen to the beginning of the series. Again, the series started with the episode that is called Why Business is Important to God. And you can go watch or listen to those at fpppodcast.com. Again, that's fpppodcast.com. 
So we're continuing with this conversation around God wanting you to be rich. This is part two in that conversation. And really, this whole conversation is based on a Bible verse God dropped in my spirit years ago that became my mission and my mandate by God, which is Genesis 128. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. So here we're focusing mainly on be fruitful and multiply. So in part one of our conversation, we talked about being fruitful. Just to remind you, fruitful means producing good or helpful results to be productive. So here in part two, we're going to look at and peel back multiply. Multiply means increase or cause to increase greatly in number or quantity. So we're going to talk about God wants you to be rich. If God wants you to be highly productive, this is what rich means, by the way, highly productive to have high value or quality, and he's going to want you to increase it. What do I mean by that? So again, if we're looking at 128 of Genesis, we talked about dominion in part one of the series. The other pieces I want you to see before I dig into multiply is this. It says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Okay. I did dominion when we talked about um, part one of why business is important to God. So here I want you to get this. The next part it says is fill the earth after be fruitful, multiply. So when God first dropped this in my spirit, can I tell you I was 48. I have not birthed any babies of my own. And I'm like, what do you mean have babies? (laughs) Lord, come on now. I'm not feeling a serious spirit on me. Yet, I didn't want to be disobedient. So I was so worried. I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to get pregnant at 48. But what God began to show me is fruitfulness and filling the earth is more than about just having babies. It's about us tending to it and keeping it that we fill the earth with our own good work. And that is how he wants you to subdue it. So the word subdue means to bring under control, especially by an exertion of the will. Now, I didn't say that. That's what it said in Webster's Dictionary. Okay. Again, it says to bring under control, especially by an exertion of the will. So I talked about free will in our interlude of this series, and that was last week. But the other end of God giving us the ability to make our own decisions is God calls us to be a good steward of our life and our purpose. So I did a whole series on stewardship. I'm not going to go deep into it. If you missed it, that series was called More Money, More Purpose. That was a four-part series, and I started with episode 13. You can go back and look at fpppodcast.com. Now, I really wanted you to get this, too. I know right now this is popular with, you know, Creflo Dollar's big admission about tithing. So I want you to understand this is not about tithing. This is about what you do with what is given to you, a whole nother look at stewardship. Okay. So again, subdue means to bring under control, especially by an exertion of the will. Stewardship means the conducting, supervising, or managing of something. See, the Bible talks about stewardship, about how you live your life. Now, in the New Testament, I studied this for the previous uh, series. Steward is rooted in the Greek word, oh, I'm going to mess this word up, oikonomos, O-I-K-O-N-O-M-O-S. I'm going to spell that one more time if anybody wants to look that up because I know I'm pronouncing this word wrong. O-I-K-O-N-O-M-O-S, which means the manager of a household, okay? 
So I want you guys to get this. You got Dominion. That's that arena. Hmm, could that be a household? Could that be a whole place God is calling you to be a good steward over? So think about it. Have you already been a good steward? Before I even said that, has anyone ever asked you to babysit their kids? Even when you were 13 or 14 years old, <laughs> are you managing people at work or are you overseeing people in your business right now? Or do you have kids you're overseeing because you're a mother or a father, you're a parent or an auntie even? Do you have a savings or an investment account that you add into monthly? Or do you help your mom or your grandparents? Are you overseeing their finances or overseeing their care as they age? Now, if you said to yourself yes to any of those questions, I need you to understand that you've been being a good steward. Mm -hmm. So in general, to steward is to manage something on someone's behalf, whether that's a family member, a friend, an employer. See, what happens when you're doing those things is someone's asking you to tend to something to keep it, which is you being a good steward. So stewardship in the Bible has to do with you understanding that God wants all of us, you and me, to be good stewards over the life and purpose that God has given you to glorify him and to benefit others. So like I said in part one, this ain't about you. Even though many people, when I talk about God wants you to be rich, thinks it's about your pocket. And it's not it's about how you bless other people. That's the first goal. He wants you, ultimately, to be a good steward over how you use your money. Now, the Bible says so many things about money. But the heart of the matter is this. Money can become something that rules your life. It can become a God. I talked about that in the last series, an idol of sorts. But our creator, God, desires for us to live to the fullest. That's why he gives us life in abundance. He's the one that said that. I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly. But worshiping money keeps you from that. Matter of fact, Matthew 6, 24 says this, for the seduction of success to the lure of lust, many things in this world will vie for your affection and devotion, but the most significant idol you will face is money. The thing I find is interesting is 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deals with money or possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' word in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. Mm-hmm. One out of 10 verses in the gospel deal with money. There are more than 2,000 scriptures on tithing, money, possessions. But I really want you to understand that this is about what you do with what God has given you. So listen, if I break this down even further. In my spirit-filled Bible, so when God gave me this whole mandate, Genesis 1.28, I did this whole deep dive, y'all, okay? So in my spirit-filled life Bible, there's a whole note section that's really long. I'm only going to read one paragraph out of the many that are there. It says, and I'm reading directly, it says, capacity and ability constitute accountability and responsibility. We should never be pleased to dwell on a level of existence lower than that on which God has made it possible for us to dwell. We should strive to be the best we can be and to reach the highest levels we can reach, to do less is to be unfaithful stewards of the life entrusted to us by God. Now you see the Bible used, and this is in the New Testament, by the way, is to be unfaithful stewards. 
So you've got to understand that God has given you a whole arena to oversee. How are you using it? How are you doing the thing that God has called you to do? How are you managing it, tending it, and keeping it? See, God could have created everything imaginable and filled the earth himself. He didn't need us. But he chose to create us to work alongside him to actualize the needs in this world. That is how we be good stewards, how we become good stewards, is tending to it and keep it. Think about it. Through our work, God brings forth food and drink. He brings forth products and services. He brings forth knowledge and beauty. He brings forth organizations and community. He brings forth growth and health and sales and marketing and all the things you see and do and use throughout your day. God bless somebody with that gift so that you can have that thing that you need. Even Starbucks, dare I say, as I'm drinking my coffee. So as we learn the arena, as you learn the arena, you were created to serve in. God's ultimate goal is that you multiply it. Multiply means to increase or cause to increase greatly in number or quantity. So be reminded, rich means highly productive, having high value. So many people focus on material gain. But when you're highly productive in the kingdom, God wants you to be able to increase that. See, for me, making money means the meaning I create in this world. So that when you're doing the work you're meant to do, you're giving value And when you subdue and dominate in it or have dominion, you're giving high value to all those that need you as they gain. Profit means gain. And God's give back to you is that you gain. Because why would you want to serve a God and be hungry and tired and not be able to pay your bills? God does not want you to give from an empty cup. So I want you to understand that I believe God uses money as a test to see if we will do what we should do, if we'll be good stewards over it. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you asked one of your children or your niece or nephew to do something to see what they're going to do? Mm-hmm. I think God does the same thing. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward because you're ultimately serving the Lord Christ. I added the because ultimately. So in part one, you remember I shared my story of me being broke for the first 17 years in my business. And it wasn't that my purpose or my business was broken. Can I tell you what was broken? It was me. I was serving from a struggle place. Listen, I call this your bankroll zip code. Um, and, and here's what I've learned. I grew up in South Central L.A., So whether it was where you grew up, whether it's your gender, whether it's your family, all of us have things that are done to us or things that happen around us that affect how we see money. So because those of you that have seen Boys in the Hood, that's pretty much the neighborhood I grew up in. I learned things like we're going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. What are some of the sayings that your family said to you about money? Now, I could go on, but I want you to understand this. When I started building my business, despite the fact that I had a master's degree, that I was an adjunct professor, not at one prestigious university, but I have been one at two. Now, I could go on and write off my entire resume, but I want you to get this. The biggest lesson I learned is that your purpose can never outgrow you. So if your mindset is stuck in the bankroll zip code that you were previous in, and you may have gotten some knowledge that has moved you intellectually in one place, but your mindset may be stuck in a whole different place. 
And so that, that's why this conversation around money is so important. Because you'll never go to the level that God wants you to serve on. Listen, God's going to let you settle for whatever level you settle for. He gave us free will. So the reason my business struggled, I needed two things. I needed mindset and methodology work. I had to release all the baggage I had around my mindset, not just from living in South Central LA, but somewhere along the way, and some of y'all might be here too, I thought to be in ministry meant to struggle. And by the way, you all have ministry. The word ministry means to serve. Some of you serve in the pulpit. I don't serve in the pulpit. I serve in the marketplace. But I'm clear I'm a marketplace minister. And so are all of you. Some of y'all might be pulpit ministers, but the point is this. God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be able to use all the resources available to you to bless all those that need you. But for me, in the middle of my struggle, God began to show me that my mindset about money was holding me back. And here's what I've learned. As it says in Mark 2.22, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put in new wineskins. See, I had to shift my mindset. I had to get a new, I had to get new wineskins for this wine guy was trying to pour into me. <laughs> and with the mindset work that I did, I had to hire a coach and a counselor to get through that, and a whole lot of prayer and a whole lot of Jesus time. And the methodology I got from hiring my first coach, my business went from broke to bankable. I felt like it was overnight. But it was within six months. I'm talking six figures. I went from 13,000 to over six figures. And as I share with you in part one, when I asked God why and how, he said to me, and I quote, service and struggle should never coexist. Why would I give you a gift and want you to struggle to do it? My mind set was in the way. And as it said in that note in my spirit filled Bible, and I really want you guys to get this. The last part, it said, we should strive to be the best we can be and reach the highest levels we can reach. And if you're going to strive on the level God created you to dwell in, it's going to take you to master both your mindset and your methodology around money. See, it's not about you. The more your business grows, the more people you can serve. The more I tend to the area and keep it the way God intended for me to serve the world, it brings, of course, money back to me. Of course, God wants me to be able to eat and move and have my being, but it also allows you to serve more people. But as I close this conversation, and, and Yolanda will come up, and after Yolanda comes up, if any of you have thoughts, questions, you want to share where you're stuck or you need support, we often quote this Bible verse, John 10, 10. I've come, and I did it a few minutes ago, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. But we forget the part. That's actually the first part that says, the thief doesn't come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. See, the enemy fights you in your mind and in your money. He doesn't want you to focus on gaining for God. He wants you to focus on worldly gain for him. And when we look at the world around us, uh, I would say he may just be a little winning. Or maybe that's what we can see. So how do we turn this around? How do we shift and make the world focus on gain for the right reasons? See, we can't do anything about anybody else. The only thing you can do something about is you. So here's my question to you. How will you use the gifts that God has relayed to you? Because remember, I talked about it's a relay in part two. How will you use the gifts that God has relayed to you and it's called for you to create, which is your purpose, and follow his direction as you abide in him and be fruitful and multiply in the reign of God has called you to serve in? Where are you in the journey? And what's in your way to get there? 
So I'll end with the last thing that note said in my study Bible. To do less is to be unfaithful stewards of the life entrusted to us by God. And all God wants you to do is to be a faithful steward, to use all the resources given to you, to tend to the arena God has created you to dwell in and to keep it. That is why God wants you to be rich. Because the more you do, the more you bless all those that need you. So let's hear from Yolanda, and then I want to hear from you. If you have thoughts, you have questions you want to share, raise your hand, and we'll bring you up on stage. Good morning, Yolanda. Good morning. My name is Yolanda Churchwell. I am the system solutionist. I help women entrepreneurs take the hassle out of their hustle so that they can make more money and have more free time. Um, I started studying this last night after um, you did part one on Facebook, which was really good. Um, And it took me to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, that says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. It then took me to Deuteronomy 8.18, where it says that the creation of wealth um, is a godly gift, and he is the only one that has the ability to create it. So I think what has happened so many times is, like everything else, the world perverts what is good, what God started out for it to be good. So wealth started out as a good thing. It's actually a gift from God. The problem comes in when you chase the wealth, when you chase the rich, when you chase the money more than you chase God. When you're seeking to, everything that you do is because you want to have material possessions. A lot of people think that rich only applies to possessions. That's where their mindset is wrong. That's why it it doesn't make sense and it's not biblical. To be rich um, in the Bible says that means you have good health, you love well, you have peace of mind, and then it lists some material possessions. So first you're good within yourself, then you're able to be good with other people because in order to love people, when you love correctly, you're loved back. So that's relationship. And then that peace of mind, I'm going to tell you that in the last couple of years, that scripture to say God gives you peace that surpasses all understanding. Life has just made that mean something different for me. So those are really big things. So it's not when it says God's rich is a lot different from the world's rich, just like everything else. So don't let anybody tell you that God doesn't intend for us to have um, things. God does intend for us to have things. They just not all things you can touch or all things that are material. He intends for us to have good health. He intends for us to have a love for ourselves and one another. He intends for us to have peace of mind. He intends for us to go out and be able to use the gift that he gave us in order to bring um, glory to his kingdom. See, when I look at the word stewardship, and I used to be um, on the board at at church, on the trustee board, it means that you're using and managing all the resources God has provided for his glory and the betterment of his creation. To subdue means to control things, including yourself. Control yourself, control your situation, control how you move. Another word for control is just being mindful, being strategic, taking action, the purpose behind what, why you do what you do. So controlling things with a goal to fulfill the will, will of God as it serves the purposes of his children. When you look at stewardship and do like that, you, you shouldn't be surprised that out of that comes riches. Anytime you are obedient 
Everybody knows obedience is better than sacrifice. Anytime you're obedient, God blesses you, not only for you, but to show other people that when you're obedient, you get blessed. So when we go out here and we take, we accept the gifts that he has given us and we do them with the purpose of bringing glory to his kingdom. We do it with the purpose of making the world a better place. We do it with the purpose of making sure that the people that he, he, he brought us to, to be this gift, that they are better because of having been in contact with us. He, the blessings are going to be above and beyond anything we could ever think or imagine. And when you get to the point that you know that your blessings are not always monetary, you actually start to realize how blessed, how rich we all are. And I, yeah, I would I'd happily give away money any day, but I will not give away my health. I will not give away my peace of mind. Those are the things that I'm so grateful that God gives me blessings and richness in. So make sure you're not just thinking about it in terms of money, but think about it in, in the way God intends us to think about it. That's so it, good. So good. So good. So good. So listen, and Yolanda, tell me if you see any hands up because I can't see my screen right now. So listen, because I, I looked up this Bible verse. I want to read it again. <laughs> 10 Proverbs 10, 22. So good. The blessings of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no. She said trouble to it. My version says no sorrow with it. And I want you guys to get this. The enemy adds the sorrow with it. Now, I, and I said this in part one, God will challenge you because he's going to want to stretch you to grow you. There's a difference between sorrow and challenge. And I need you to understand it because I see so many people run when there's a challenge. And if you don't abide, I hope you guys are seeing those of you that have been following the series. I'm using words from previous episodes. Why your ability to abide is important because it's in your ability to, uh, to abide that you can then understand the difference between the enemy bringing sorrow and God bringing challenge to grow you. Like if I'm completely transparent, I'm in the middle of a challenge right now in my business. Not a bad one. But what I know is happening is the enemy's trying his hardest in this one to help to make me quit. But at the same time, God is using it to make me grow at the same time. So I really want you to understand that everything we're talking about in this series and why business is important to God is that ultimately you must know that there are a group of people that are waiting for you. So as we end this conversation, unless anybody has their hand up or has comment, I want to end it with this. Mark 4.25 says, to the one who has, more will be given. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And even if you go and read it, you guys know if you're with me, my favorite parable, you probably could already say what I'm getting ready to say. <laughs> it's the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Is it 24? I think it's 24. I want you to see that parable ends in the same way. See, when the Lord speaks of those who have more, he's not talking about material possessions. He's talking about how you're doing what you were purposed to do in this world. So it's like this in Mark 4, 20, it talks about rather those who have more are those who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Hello. And then multiply. It says 30 fold and 60 fold and 100 fold. That's multiplication, y'all. So I need you to understand that when you and, and sometimes it's hear the word. But many of you guys, God has dropped a vision in your spirit or you have this rumble inside you to do this thing. That's God speaking to your soul. God speaks to all of us differently. Some people hear his audible voice. Some people feel him. Whatever that is, I need you to tap into it. See, God's call to stewardship in this current age is about us, him really calling us back to 
his original purpose for our lives, to live in his image, to be fruitful and increase in number. That's that multiply. So with that, we can fill the earth and subdue it to rule over all he's created each of us to conquer and dominate in. And so those of you that know, like, you know, you need support. I want to invite you. I've created something. I'm putting the link up there as I share about it called those of you that are here with us live called the rich in your niche summit. Now, listen, the reason I created this rich. Well, first, let me say this rich for me stands for rhythm in consistent harmony. So this summit ultimately is all about living out God's assignment for your life, which requires, number one, a pattern of move, movement regularly repeated over time. That's that, that pattern around your purpose. And so many people miss this because when you're starting a business, it's one thing to know your purpose is one thing to get it started. But then as you grow, because you're going to grow, God does not keep you on one level a whole your whole life. Your purpose grows and matriculates. Some of you have heard me do a whole study or a whole conversation around purpose matriculating. That's God expanding your territory. And if you're not in the rhythm around your purpose, when God is calling you to expand, you think it's time to quit. No, no, no. It's God expanding you. So it's being in a rhythm. So think about what that looks like. Those of you that can dance. <laughs> when you're on beat, or even if you're listening to a band play, when they're in rhythm together, it's so good. But when one instrument is off, or oh, you can hear it, it's so much louder than everybody else. And for many of you, your life is out of alignment with God's assignment for you. So you're out of rhythm. See, I want to hold the space to show you what it looks like to get in the rhythm of your own divine design. What I call your DNA, your distinct natural ability, as you start or grow your business. And as you get in the rhythm of your divine design, it allows you to do two things. It allows you to be the answer you were born to be in this world, which then makes you fruitful. And then it brings revenue to you so that you can multiply and increase greatly in number to serve all those that need you. And then, of course, so that you can live and breathe and have your being and, and live your own life and pay your mortgage, your car note and all that stuff. Because, again, why would God want you to serve other people and help bless them and not bless yourself and live and struggle? See, some would call everything I said, understand your niche, but it's so much more than that. It takes consistent, focused, harmonious action to get in the lane that God created you to dwell in. And that's exactly why I do what I do and why I've invited 18 other entrepreneurs ahead of you in the journey to share inside of secrets to move your purpose into profit. So it's free. Where you go register is richinyournichesummit.com. And again, the reason I wanted to have this is, number one, even as I pour into you in this summit, I'm going to talk to you about this whole rich mindset you need. Because that's where I see so many people held up. And then on top of that, how do you grow anything you don't invest in? Even if I plant a seed outside, my investment is the water I got to do every day. Ooh, well, first of all, if I'm a water seed, I need to go get coached to water the seed. <laughs> Let me keep it all the way real. So many of you, the reason your businesses are growing is what are you putting into it? If God is expecting us to be good stewards over the thing he's entrusted to us, then how do you grow it and be a good steward over it? That's ultimately the mission of the Rich in Your Niche Summit is to show you other people in the journey, some already making seven and eight figures and some years in the journey, just starting out but been in it for a year or two. But I want you to see what it looks like to say yes to your assignment and do all that it takes to master it. Again, it's richinyournichesummit.com. So with that said, the second thing I want to do as we end our conversation for today is if you found any value, I'm always going to ask you to share it. 
And the reason I ask you to share about our conversations is because there are so many people that are out of alignment. So many people that do not understand that God is looking for you. Like there's a wanted poster in heaven. Matter of fact, God put an APB out when the angels are looking for you. Because you're not doing the thing God created you to do, which means that you are holding up the earth's ability or God's ability to tend to the earth and keep it. Of course, he gives us free will, but he's hoping that you might get in alignment and that you might not serve the other, uh, the devil's army, dare I say. So if you know, like you know, that this is giving you value, take a screenshot, share it, because there's somebody in your tribe, in your family, in your friends that follow you in social media that don't have this as a resource, I know when I was struggling in my business, part of the reason it took me 17 years to get a clue and to get the help I needed is I didn't know where to look. And so the only reason I ask you and invite you in to share is because somebody around you is in that same place. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. Now I want you to walk away from these episodes with value. So I want you to write down the answers to one of these questions. Number one, what was your greatest takeaway? Number two, what will you do different as a result of what you heard? You may have heard something you've heard before, or you may have learned something new. Either way, don't take the insight that you got for granted. I want you to commit to doing one thing different as a result of what you heard. And then I want you to share it. Share your takeaways in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com and use the hashtag FPP podcast. Now, the last thing I want to ask you to do, if you got any value out of this episode is to share it with your community. Post it on social media. Tell people to join our conversation by going to fpppodcast.com. Now, until the next time, be extraordinary, be unapologetic, be bodaciously all that God created you to be as you connect your faith with purpose so that as you be the answer you were born to be in this world, God can give you the profit you deserve as a gift for a job well done.